0: We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. How many of you know that um, we're right in the middle of this message series that we started last week called Riptides and really what prompted me to um, engage in this message series and really bring this message series to you is that I believe more than ever, That as the body of Christ, that of people, people of faith, people that have said yes to following Jesus, more than ever, our faith is what has to carry us through. Our faith is what is going to not only carry us through, but is going to move us closer to the presence of Jesus, closer in relationship with him. And any time that you engage in taking steps of faith and starting to move closer to Jesus, start believing for the greater things in god 's word, the things that have been prophesied over your life, the things that deep inside you believed and have believed for years, but maybe haven 't seen the manifestation of those beliefs in the things that you 've prayed for that you 've believed for and that you have faith for, but you haven 't seen manifested yet any anytime that you purposely and intentionally engage moving closer to God, pursuing him and pursuing all that he has for you, you're going to get resistance. There's going to be things that are going to try to, as you're pursuing Jesus and moving closer to him, there's going to be things that are going to try to pull you away from the presence of God. There's going to be things that are going to try to pull you away from stepping out in faith. And I think that in the middle of this crazy pandemic and a very real health crisis, probably the greatest weapon that the enemy is trying to use, has used, and is using, and will continue to use in your life and in my life is this thing called fear. He will try to use fear to prevent you from moving out, stepping out in faith, believing, God's Word, standing on God's Word, and pursuing Jesus in the middle of circumstances and problems and crisis in our lives that we don't have the answers for. But when we hold on in faith and continue to pursue Jesus in the middle of it, there's something that happens. Breakthrough happens. Supernatural things happen. Miracles are released in our life. And today, we're going to look at a story out of Matthew chapter 14. Where this man, Peter, who I believe um, was a man of faith, but he also wrestled with fear. He wrestled with doubt. He was a a, a man. He put on pants just like we do, right, Pastor Jeremy? Or some of us do. And uh, (laughs) he was a real man, and I love that about Peter, that we get to see that even though he was a man of bold faith, he also wrestled, I believe, with private fears, and private doubt. And for oftentimes, if we're going to be honest with each other, that we could be in the middle of a worship service like this and worshiping Jesus and saying amen to the pastor, which, by the way, I give you full permission to do that. Um, thank you, brother. Thanks for helping me out. <laughs> and even in the middle of that, we can be wrestling with some real doubts and real fears in our life. And today we're going to see probably one of the greatest examples of a man that stepped out of faith into the unknown, believed not only that he could do natural things, but because of the presence of Jesus in his life, that he could step into a supernatural life of miracles. He watched Jesus do them, he heard Jesus teach about them, and he actually started to believe that maybe, just maybe, he could move in the same power that Jesus was moving in. And so we're gonna pick up the story in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up to there. If not, we're gonna have it up on the screen for you. The title of this passage is Jesus Walks on the Water. Jesus Walks on the Water. It says this immediately. Now, let me set up the context of this passage for you. Jesus just got done feeding the the 5,000 and it was probably more like 17, 18,000 because they only counted men um, back then. So including women and children, it was probably more like 17, 18,000 people. One of the greatest miracles took um, something very little, a couple of fish, a couple of pieces of uh, bread, and multiplied it and fed thousands upon thousands of people. And now the crowds are starting to believe that maybe this man is the Messiah, Maybe he is the savior of the world, the one that we've been looking for. They are in awe at the miracle that just happened, and so they start crowding Jesus, and and they start wanting to make him an earthly king. And Jesus, knowing that this is not what he came for, to be an earthly king at that time, there's coming a day, praise God, how many of you know, that Jesus will return, and he will be the king of kings and Lord of lords, and everything will be under subject to him. Everything will come under his reign and his rule. But until then, that wasn't the type of king that Jesus was wanting to, to be or was part of God's plan for him to be. And yet people were, were trying to crown him and make him king. And so this is the context for which now we're going to see and pick up the story in Matthew 14, 22. It says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side say the other side you know that god is trying to get you from one place to another that right now currently in your walk of faith that you are at a certain place in your pursuit of god but i hope that you're not satisfied with where you are i don't know about you but there's been such a stirring in me that i'm not satisfied where i am in my walk with jesus There's a hunger, there's a thirst building up inside of my spirit, and I believe in your spirit too that says, I want more. I'm not satisfied. There's a holy dissatisfaction that will rise up within you. Sometimes you don't even know what it is. You just know I'm not satisfied With my current state of spirituality, I'm not satisfied in my soul. And there's a stirring that begins inside the spirit. I believe that stirring is happening right now. I believe it's happening in you. It's happening in me. And this is what's happened. Jesus says, go to the other side. There's something about going to the other side that there there was miracles waiting for them on the other side if they could just get there. And he says to them, go to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, and after after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that evening, that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. You ever feel like that in your life? You ever feel like when God tells you to do something and you obey it, that it seems like you're just straining at the oars? That man, like, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to get to the other side. I'm never going to change. My marriage is never going to get better. I'm never going to defeat this sin. It's never going to happen. And this is exactly what the enemy of your soul wants you to believe because he knows something very important about the human psyche and how God created you and me is that what we believe tends to come out in our behavior. And he knows that if he could get you deceived and get you to believe a lie, you'll give up and you'll surrender the truth and eventually let go of the oars and be pulled away and drift away. And it says this, Shortly before dawn, this is verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, I love this. Take courage. It is I. <laughs> I try to do that sometimes with my family. You know, it doesn't work quite as well. Take courage. It is I, your father. (laughs) But it doesn't seem to work quite as well as it did with Jesus for some reason. I don't know why. And he says this, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Wow. Come, he said. It kind of reminds me in Revelation when it said, the Spirit says come. The Spirit says come. I feel like right now, the Holy Spirit is saying come. Come a little closer. Go a little bit deeper with me. I've got things I want to show you. Come to me, all who are weary, tired, and laden, heavy with burdens, and I'll give you rest for your soul. Man, there's so many people that are tired right now. So many people that need hope right now. So many people that need peace right now. So many people that need joy right now. And the answer's all in Jesus. If we would just come to him. It says this, Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. It was probably a lot louder than that. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when he, they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Truly. You are the Son of God. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for your word that challenges us, that convicts us. God, I thank you that there's so much life in your word. God, I pray today that as we read your word, as we contemplate your word, as we meditate on your word, as I preach your word, God, that your word would would permeate everything inside of us. God, even David said that I've hidden your word in my heart so that I would not sin against you. God, there's something about your word getting deep inside of us that changes us, that transforms us. God, I pray today that your word, it wouldn't be just a good message. I pray like the apostle Paul prayed. God, that it would be more than words, that it would be power. I pray that it would be power to change lives. God, let your word change lives today. Let it change our life. Let it change the way we think. And let it draw us closer to you. Father, now I want to pray for our nation. As I've just been so burdened for our nation right now. And I believe the body of Christ needs to pray for our nation. Would you just pray for me as I pray for the nation? Let's pray together. That's a thing called corporate prayers when we unite our hearts together. Father, right now we come before you. We say, God, heal our land. God, we repent on behalf of our nation. We repent on behalf of us, your church, your people. God, that we have let down our guard, that we have maybe even worshiped church more than we've worshiped you and be led by you and take your mandate to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, the good news to a lost and dying and hopeless world. God, I pray that you would revive our hearts. Let it begin in the church, God, that it would go out into all the world. Right now, we need it more than ever. So, Father, I pray that revival would sweep over this nation once again. God, would you do it like you did it before? We sang it, God. God, send revival. Send it now, God. We need it now. Do it like you did it before in the days of Azusa Street, in Brownsville, in Toronto. God, in the Jesus movement. God, you did it before. You can do it again. We pray that it would begin with us right here, right now. Little Hope Church in Little Kalispell, Montana, in the Flathead Valley, spread throughout Montana like a spiritual wildfire that would sweep across this nation in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. The title of my message to you is called My Whirlpool Mind. (laughs) My Whirlpool Mind. Now, I don't know how many of you ever spent a lot of time on the river or the sea. I think in rivers, they call a whirlpool an eddy. Is that right? For all you rafters out there. And there's been times where I've been rafting or I've been floating down the river in a tube. And I haven't been really paying attention And before you know it, I get caught up in one of these eddies or a whirlpool, and everybody else is floating by, enjoying life, having a good time, and I realize I'm not going anywhere. And I look around and the water is swirling and it's keeping me stuck in a certain spot. I believe for many of us, our minds, the way we think, the strongholds that can um, happen, as we fall into patterns of thinking, which you understand that everything begins in the mind. I was thinking about, um, we have, my wife and I have five children, and I've had a, a front row seat to watch all five of them be birthed. And, um, and it's interesting to me that physically, naturally, when a baby's being born, the proper way for a baby to be birthed is head first. I believe that there's something spiritually significant in that when Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, and he was speaking spiritually. I believe that the same thing happens spiritually, that when we are born again, we are born with a new spirit. But here's the problem. We have an old soul, and we have the flesh. See, you are made up as a tripart being in that you are body, soul, And spirit. Because of sin, the spirit is dead. But your soul and your flesh are alive. And for many of us, we lived many most of our life living out of our flesh. Your flesh is your five senses, um, taste, touch, smell, feel, think, you know, all those. Um, Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, when you're born again, the very first thing that needs to change for you to be stepping into the new life that God has for you, now your spirit is reborn. You have the very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living inside of you. That's an amazing truth. But the reason why most of us don't feel like is because our soul has known and lived in patterns of living according to the ways of the world, According to the ways of our flesh, we followed our flesh, we followed our natural man, our natural instincts, our our self, basically, apart from God. And now, this salvation experience, this is why one of the Greek words for salvation is the word sozo. The word sozo... I believe, gives us a more complete picture of in our Western, civilized, Americanized mindset of what salvation is, where we raise a hand in a service and we say yes to Jesus, that now we're born again. But being born again is a birthing process where you are born of the Spirit, but now you're an infant. You don't know how to talk, you don't know how to walk, In the very new spirit that is now alive in you and it begins this process and the process begins in the mind it begins in the discipleship and the changing of the way we think and really unwinding what we've known and how we've lived for years and relearning how to live how to think in the way that God in in God's truth and in the life that he has for us and this is where most of us get stuck In a whirlpool. I believe, now let me give you a definition of what a whirlpool is. Look at this. A whirlpool is a body of rotating water produced by opposing currents or a current running into an obstacle. I'm gonna say that again and I'm gonna let it sink in because this is really good. A whirlpool is a body of rotating water produced by opposing Currents or a current running into an obstacle. This is where most of us get stuck in our walk with Christ. Just like Peter, as he began to, and you'll notice this in your life anytime you begin to believe for the more that God has for you, and Jesus is calling you to come in deeper with him, like I preached last week and you actually take steps of faith to move closer to him, the very first thing that is going to come at you, you're going to get buffeted by the waves. That word buffeted means tormented, pressed against, come against you. There are going to be, and the first thing that is going to come against you is your mind, are your thoughts. You're going to get bombarded with things like, you can't do that. Nobody's ever walked on water, Peter. What are you thinking? You're crazy. Get back in the boat. You can't do this. I'm I'm guessing with every step that Peter took towards Jesus... His eyes are fixed on Jesus, and he's looking at Jesus, and as long as he kept his eyes focused on his Savior, focused on the miracle maker, focused on the author and finisher of our faith, focused on the one who brings life, focused on the one who opened blind eyes and unstopped deaf ears, focused on the one who, at the very touch of the hem of his garment, Stop the bleeding of life from going out. This is the man who as long as he had his eyes fixed on Jesus and he had his faith in him, he was good. But the moment, the moment that he saw the wind, watch this. It says this. If you pull up that scripture, I think in verse 25, or what is it? Pull it up for me. It says that when he saw the wind, no, Wrong one. When he saw the wind and he became afraid. Come on, I had it right in there. When he saw the wind and he became afraid, he began to sink. This is Peter's whirlpool mind. Look, he stepped out in faith, and as soon as he began to step out in faith, he saw the wind. Now, I thought this was so interesting. How do you see wind? In fact, Jesus even said when he was talking to Nicodemus about being born again, he says, nobody, nobody sees the wind. You only hear the wind, you feel the effects of the wind, but you, but you don't see it. But somehow the scripture says that Peter saw the wind. <laughs> this is all perception. Do you understand that most of our life isn't, we're, we're, how you perceive what is happening to you is more important than the reality because what we perceive to be real becomes real. You ever had this happen? I mean, something that is fear. Now, I think about this, and I think about how much fear is an imagination. There there used to be this Disney character at Epcot called Figment, and, and it stood for, he was a figment of your imagination. Like, it's not real, but... It can become so real to us, like your reality is, and my reality is based on what we believe to be real, our perception of what is real and what isn't. This is why the Bible says so many times, do not be deceived, like there's going to be false prophets and false teachers, because more than anything, what the devil does is he comes as an angel of light. He is the master of deception. So he will try to make something feel real to you that isn't even real. You ever had this? Ever had somebody text you and you read the text and you're thinking, man, what do they mean by that? Like, why did they have to say it like that? They sound angry, or they sound, and in your, all of a sudden, your whirlpool mind starts building a case that they're mad at you, and then you start thinking, well, what did I do? Oh my gosh, I wonder if it's what I said. And your mind starts going round and round and round. And if we're not careful, if we don't stop this, it will take you down. It will suck you down, and it will take you down. And eventually, if we let it, it will take you down into the depths of despair, the depths of depression, the depths of anxiety. It will mess with you. But look at Peter's whirlpool mind. He saw the wind. That's his perception. He didn't actually see it. He felt it. He perceived that the wind was there and it was messing with him and the enemy was coming against him. Do you know, I read a a statistic about marriage. Gary Smalley, who's a uh, a Christian guru in marriage, in marriage counseling, said that most marriages that have problems, that he's counseled them, they're 80% good, 20% bad. But the problem is they're focusing on the 20% That isn't good. And because their perception of the 20% is greater than the perception of the 80% and that's where their focus is, that's what they think. And because that's what they think, that's how they feel. See, this is part of your soul. This is why the soul needs to get regenerated. This is why the soul needs to get renewed. Because the soul is the seat of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And God made your brain to be the command center, the control center for your emotions, not the other way around. Most of us, we're more led by our emotions than our brain, what we know. And God created your brain, actually... Oh, uh, this is interesting. I love neuroscience. And, and now, more than ever, as we've progressed in our understanding of how the brain works and neuroscience, neuroscience is actually backing up the Bible. It's proving the Bible to be true. It's proving the Bible to be, be right. And um, the way your brain, God made your brain, in the front is the cerebral cortex. That is your logical part of your brain That is your brain that um, remembers facts, it remembers facts, it knows what reality is, but there's this little tiny almond-shaped part of your brain that sits just above the brain cell, up and to the left, called the (laughs) amygdala, amygdala. And it actually is, um, I think, Latin for almond because it's a tiny little almond-shaped part of your brain. This is the part of your brain that senses danger it's where you have instincts it is part of the control center along with the hypothalamus um that it alerts you to fear and so what happens is what you perceive whether it's true or real or not your amygdala kicks in and your fear mechanism goes off now god created you um with this for a reason if you're out hiking in glacier park and you happen to see a a grizzly bear 20 yards from you, you're going to love your amygdala. (laughs) I mean, it's your friend. It alerts you to danger. It gets your adrenaline running so that you actually have, you know, power, more power than you would normally have. It's amazing what people can do with a little bit of adrenaline in them. And yet, it can be your worst enemy when you perceive something incorrectly and it creates fear in you. And in that part, so look it. Peter starts, here's his whirlpool mind. He saw the wind. He felt it. it. It was vying for his attention. The second thing is, he was afraid. He saw the wind. He was afraid. His amygdala kicked in. And because of that, he began to fear which resulted in him beginning to sink. Man, I can't tell you how many times my whirlpool mind has taken me. I woke up at three in the morning. I think it's interesting that these guys were in the middle of this, they call it a lake. It's more like a little sea. They were in the middle of this lake straining at the oars at the fourth watch. I think it was the fourth watch. The fourth watch was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning, the darkest part of the night, but also the part of the night closest to the breaking of dawn. I don't know about you, but I can't tell you how many times in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. I'll wake up to go to the bathroom and all of a sudden my whirlpool mind will kick in. (laughs) And I will think about something that will lead to another thought and it will lead to a perception, and my mind will take me places and spin me around, chew me up and spit me out, and I will not even be able to go to sleep if I allow this process to happen. I get stuck in a whirlpool in my mind, and the only thing that is gonna pull me out is my cerebral cortex in that moment has to remind myself of the truth of what I know. What is real opposed to what is imagination. So here, here's the big idea of this whole message. It's that your thoughts determine your direction. Your thoughts determine your direction. I love what um, Pastor Craig Groeschel says. He says this, by the way, a lot of what I've gleaned was from an amazing book that he wrote called Winning the War in Your Mind. There's so many good Resources out there. Joyce Meyer has an amazing book called Battlefield of the Mind. Um, There's a, a Christian neuroscientist named Dr. Caroline Leaf who has a new book out that is amazing called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. And she teaches you how to actually retrain your brain in much more detail in time that I have to give you this morning. But I'm gonna give you some biblical foundation. But I love a quote from his book, Winning the War on Your Mind. Craig Rochelle says this, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so where's your thoughts this morning? where they've been taking you. Now we can win. This is a war. This is where the battle begins. As you are pressing into more of God, last week, many of you raised your hand to say, I want to go in deeper with God. I want to go in deeper in my relationship with him. I want all that he has for me. This is why um, even Elijah, when you look at the great prophet Elijah, there's a moment in in Elijah's um, life as a prophet of God, where he has arguably the greatest victory in his whole prophetic career, if you will, or or, or in his, you know, being used by God, where he has this do-off uh, do or, or whatever, um, he has this God-off with the gods of Baal and the prophets of Baal, and and they, they sacrifice, they make a deal. They say, we're gonna see whose God is really real. And even Elijah says, if God is God, then worship him. But if Baal is your God, then you worship him. And they have this God off and they put sacrifices on the altar. Baal, the prophets of Baal did first and the fire doesn't come down and consume it. They chant, they cut each other, they doing all this stuff and nothing happens. Then Elijah gets his sacrifice ready and in the middle of it, God even tells him, we're going to make this even better. We're going to pour water over the top to make this even more evident that I am in this, I am the one and only true God. And fire comes down and consumes all of it, even evaporates the water that was poured on there. And and immediately Elijah has, orders all the prophets of Baal to be killed. Now, this is arguably his greatest victory in his life. He's on a spiritual high. And then the queen, Jezebel, this wicked queen, says, boy, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Watch out when a woman says that. That will make a man run anytime. time. And, and Elijah, <laughs> all of a sudden, this great hero of the faith, this prophet of God that just saw this amazing miracle happen, all of a sudden, he gets fearful. And he starts trusting. See, here's the problem. Peter started believing and trusting more in the waves than he did in the word do you know that jesus it says in john 1 that in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god jesus is the manifestation of the very word of god he is the word of god and when jesus said come he spoke In that word, come, because the Bible also says that God never speaks a word that in that word doesn't contain the power for that word to be fulfilled. So when Jesus said, come to Peter, he wasn't just speaking a word to tell him to come. It actually was the power that if Peter had enough faith to believe in it and step out, I believe when Peter was walking on those waves, he wasn't walking on water. He was actually walking on the very word of God. He was walking on the word, come come, come closer, step closer. He was walking on the word that God spoke, which contained within itself the very power for him to walk on that water, for a miracle to happen. And Elijah had the word of the Lord in him, and yet he got depressed, and he said something to God. He he goes and sits down under a, a broom tree, juniper tree, and he says, Lord, he says, I'm done. I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And he falls into this deep depression, a whirlpool mind. See, I wondered for years, how in the world did Elijah get to that point where he had this amazing victory and he was done? You have to understand that when you have some of the most... uh, significant spiritual breakthroughs in your life. I've seen this happen when people surrender their life to Jesus, when people get baptized, when God starts moving in your life and things start happening in your life. I'm telling you, you're gonna get buffeted by the waves of thoughts that the enemy is going to come against you and try to keep you from moving forward and stepping out in faith and he 's going to get you to a stuck in a whirlpool to stop your momentum stop your spiritual momentum and stop you moving forward in faith he 's going to try to get you in stuck in this place of fear so how do we how do we get out of it how do we get out of our whirlpool mind? Paul gives us a key in second Corinthians verses ten four through five, he says this, listen, the weapons that we fight with, come on church, you got to listen to this, this is the key, the weapons that we fight with, they're not weapons of this world, on the contrary, they have divine power, now that word divine power is the Greek word dunamis, it is power, it is the resurrection power and life of God, you have to understand that in the middle of your whirlpool mind, God says, I've given you power divine power not your own human strength but I've actually deposited power inside of you to demolish arguments every high thing it's a high place do you know that for many of us what happens is this science has shown that as we think thoughts over the course of our lifetime that our thoughts become patterns in our mind they become neural pathways ruts if you will now when I was in high school I had a 1984 Thunderbird Turbo Coupe, come on somebody, Jesus. I love seeing that little turbo light come on. And I wore that sucker out so bad that my tires were bald. And I remember one time we had like two days of rain, this is in New York, and, and we had a couple days of rain and my car was parked in a driveway on, on dirt. Well that dirt quickly became mud. And the next day when I went out to start my car and to drive, those tires just kept spinning and I wasn't going anywhere. And it would just about get out and it would suck back in. And I would, do, I would do rev the engine even harder and it would just about get out and it would get sucked back in. And it would just about get out and it gets sucked back in. And after a while, what it did is it created these ruts, these mud ruts, if you've ever hunted, on the eastern part of Montana, my hunters out there, and it gets wet and you get in this gumbo, they call it. It's like this sticky mud, and there's these ruts from hunters going in and out like this, that are this deep, that if you get in them, you get stuck in them, man, you cannot get out of them. And this is exactly what was happening. I mean, I'm sitting in my car, blaring my Def Leopard, Guns N' Roses, and I'm killing my clutch, burning my tires, burning the rubber, but I cannot get out of this thing. I actually had to have, a a tow truck come and pull my car out of those ruts. It was so bad. The very same thing happens to us in our thought life. Over time, as you think a thought, those thoughts and see your brain, the way that God made your brain is that, to expedite your thought process. This is, this is how we, we come to places because we think things time after time after time and when we think them, they become ruts in our brain and they become these strongholds. A stronghold is a circular fortress that either protects you or keeps you in a prison. Too many of us are imprisoned in our own minds because we've had thoughts for so long that it's created deep neural pathways that we need to demolish the high places. These, these become things that have a stronghold on our life and we wonder why we can't seem to push through. We wonder why we keep getting stuck in the same place, spiritually speaking. We wonder why we can't break free. This is why it's so hard to start a new habit. This is why anytime you're gonna start something new, now your brain It has muscle memory and it does this to expedite so you begin to do things without even thinking about it. But that's the problem. (laughs) We do things over time without even thinking about it and we get used to thinking a certain way and we don't even realize it. So the first way that we begin to break free of these strongholds is you need to think about what you're thinking about. And you're going to have to be really intentional about this. I've begun this process as as this word has got into me. I've realized that there's some areas in my life that I'm not thinking right. I realize that there's some ruts in the way that I've been thinking that are leading to my behavior or thinking or perceiving life a certain way that God needs to break down those ruts. He needs to fill them in with his word and his truth. And I need to create new neural pathways, new ways of thinking. But it all begins with taking time. So this week, I'm going to get real practical because this word needs to be practiced in your life. Because if you walk out of here and say, amen, pastor, that was a good word, and you take a few notes, but you don't leave here and don't do anything with it, you're going to be like that man, like James says, that looks in the mirror but forgets who he is. You're going to hear the truth about who you are here in the word you're hearing the word of God it's the truth about who you are your identity some of you have been believing lies about yourself for so long and you wonder why you can't break free you feel like you're stuck you're going around the mountain look at when you think about when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt they were stuck wandering around they were a world in a whirlpool mindset because they couldn't get the mindset of Egypt out of them and embrace the new way of thinking that God was trying to usher them in into the promises that he had for them in the promised land. But they never made it there because they stayed stuck. I don't, I don't want you to be that. Some of you, you're stuck in your marriages. You're stuck in a way of thinking, in a way of looking at your spouse. And I believe that the only way to recognize it is for you to ask the Holy Spirit, And think about what you're thinking about. Is your mind going always to the things they're doing wrong, the things that annoy you, the things that you don't like about them, the things you don't like about yourself? And the easiest way to figure this out is listen to yourself talk. Watch yourself talk. What are you saying over yourself? What do you repeatedly say over yourself over and over again? I'm stupid, I'm ugly. I'll never amount to anything. It could be something that somebody said to you and you make, your brain makes this connection. I realized something. My mom, when I, my grandmother died of, of cancer and the way that my mom told me that my grandmother died, she took me and, and she was doing the best that she could with what she knew. She took me with her boyfriend. We sat outside a movie theater. I'll never forget, to Rocky Two, And... My mother broke the news. My my grandmother was like my mother to me. She raised me. She was like my mother. I was close with her. My mother knew this was gonna be devastatingly painful for me. She told me my grandmother died. We hugged, I cried, and then she immediately ushered me into the movie theater to watch this movie, thinking it would take my mind off it. But what she didn't realize is the way our brains work is that my brain made this connection between the way that you escape pain is you get your mind off it with pleasure. You get your mind off it with escapism. And so this connection happened in my brain at an early age, it created a neural pathway in this connection. This happens oftentimes, um, you're at your grandmother's house, you fall down, you skin your knee, what does grandma do? Here, have a cupcake, it'll make you feel better. And so for many of us, we fought food addictions over the years And we don't even understand why. But in our brain, we have to break the connection. God showed me by the power of the Holy Spirit that I had this connection at an early age. So my way of dealing with pain, my default way of dealing with pain, would be to escape. Get your mind off it. Don't address it. Don't go to God with it. I need to change my brain to understand that when I'm feeling pain, and all of us do, that... You can't ease your pain by escaping it because it comes back. It haunts you. The only thing that you can do with your pain is take it to Jesus. Yeah. Take it to Him. That's why the sex, so uh, think about what you're thinking about. You're going to have to write it down. The second thing is this we need to repent. Do you know what the biblical understanding of repentance is? Repentance simply means to change your mind. It's, I thought one way, I recognize that way of thinking is not biblical, it's not godly, it's not God's thought, so I'm going to change my mind. I recognize it, and I say, God, I don't want to think that way anymore, so I repent, would you forgive me of thinking that way? And would, today, I commit myself to change my mind and to follow you. I love what one of the theologian Clark, said, he said this, it was not the violence of the winds nor the raging of the waves which endangered Peter's life, but his littleness of faith. See, this is where faith comes in. Now remember what faith is. Faith, Hebrews 11:1. 1. Now faith is the what? Substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things unseen. See, watch this now. Peter, Jesus said, come. He hoped that he could walk on water. What was the substance of things hoped for was the word of God. Now, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith was stirred up in Peter by the word of God, that he had hope that he could step on that water and he would not sink. And because he placed his faith in Jesus, it was the substance, that word was the the substance, if you will, under his feet that carried him closer and closer to Jesus. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things unseen. Now, this is where we get tripped up. Because your brain needs evidence to actually believe something. So you're going to, as you recognize wrong thinking, and you start um, repenting of those wrong ways of thinking, you're going to have to step into new ways of thinking, and it's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel like that's not really me. This isn't really real because I, I don't feel it because we've become so accustomed to letting our feelings dictate to us what the truth is. But remember, it's the cerebral cortex. God created you with the cerebral cortex as the gatekeeper to your soul. So it says, no, I know you're feeling this, but I'm gonna tell you what's real and what's higher and what is true. And this is where the word of God comes in. Romans 12:2 says this, do not conform to what the pattern of this world there's a pattern there's a way of thinking there's a whirlpool mind there's a pattern that the world wants you to stay in it wants you to stay in a worried life it wants you to stay in a worldly mindset come on how many of us if we're going to be real our thoughts continually lead us to worry worry about my kids worry about my future worry about my career my bank account worry about getting the coronavirus too many of us, we, we have a worldly mindset where our minds are constantly thinking about um, this world, pleasure, my life, what I can do, how I can have fun, pulling you away from God. Romans 12.2, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be changed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And this is going to take a lot of faith on your part. That's why... He, Peter started in faith, but he started to doubt because he believed the waves more than the word. Too many of you, you're stuck in a whirlpool mind because you're believing your problems more than the very presence of God. God said in Psalm 23, he said He said this, he said, um, you know, I'm the good shepherd, Man, sometimes preacher, your mind goes blank. (laughs) I shall not want. He makes me lie down and greet pastors. He leads me beside still waters. He says, even though I walk, and I believe it's verse 4 or 5, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, okay, that is the fight, the valley of the shadow of death. In the middle of the night, when war is waging against your mind, I will fear no evil. Why? Um, Because you are with me. God's presence with me. And then he says this. He says, I've prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I have anointed your head with oil. The oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is truth. In the middle of you being bombarded with thoughts, trying to pull you into a whirlpool mind and suck you down, God is saying, get your eyes fixed more on my presence than on your problems. Peter believed more in the waves, more that they were real, more than he could take them down, more than he stayed focused on the presence of Jesus, on the word of God. That the word of God was bigger. Some of you need to be reminded today that the word of God is bigger than your problems. It's bigger than your circumstances. It's bigger than what you're going through right now. It's bigger than your addiction. It's bigger than your depression. It's bigger than your anxiety. It's bigger than the secret sin that is pulling against you, trying to pull you away from God. And God is saying, come. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be renewed, be changed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, this is how some of us say, I don't know what God's will is for my life. But it says when this process, you allow this process to happen, then you will know the good, the pleasing and perfect will of God. The only way to do this, the last part is to renew your mind with the truth. This is why the word of God is so important, you guys. You've got to allow this word to get in you, change you, challenge your thinking. I, I want to challenge you with something very practical. This week, I want you every day, whether you do it in the morning, the night, out of, at your lunch break, read the word of God. Don't just read it to check off. I did my devotion today. I, I read my Bible plan today. Read a passage of scripture. Don't just read over it. Read it, read it again. Let it get in you. Here's the thing. Where you, When you think about what you're thinking about, start to write down thought patterns, wrong ways of thinking. Start to catch yourself as you say things over yourself, write it down in a journal. And then I want you to take that thing and I want you to find scripture that tell the truth. You see, the enemy will try to get lies in you about who you are, what you can and what you can't do. The enemy was coming against Peter. Who do you think you are? You're not Jesus. You can't walk on water. You're not going to see a miracle in your life. Just like the enemy is coming at you right now. You're not going to see a miracle in your marriage. You're not going to see a miracle in your finances. You're not going to see a miracle in the people around you that you've been praying and believing for that have faith in you, that God can use you. You're too young. You're too old. You don't know enough Bible. You haven't been to seminary. You name it to come at you, buffet you with lie after lie after lie. And you need to find the truth. I, I, you notice something that the enemy came at Peter more than any other apostle because he realized the potential that lied within Peter. Jesus said himself, Peter, the enemy, the devil, the adversary, the one who come against you has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Peter you know that there's one that's praying for you? Jesus, right now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, praying for you. Replace the lies with the truth. Because John had said this, Jesus gives us this promise. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And some of you believing lies so long as we close, I just want to say there's some of you that you believe believed a lie that you're too far gone. Pastor ones, you don't know what I've done. Let me tell you something. I was there myself. I believed for so long that God could never redeem me. He could never accept me. He could never love me. I believed that lie so long it kept me from coming to Jesus some of you in the room maybe you're watching online you've allowed that lie to keep you from coming to Jesus the very person the very presence of the truth that will set you free today's the day God brought you here sovereignly say enough is enough enough of the whirlpool mind that's dragging you down into the pit of anxiety and depression maybe even suicidal thoughts Today's the day, you say, just like Peter, Lord, save me. He'll reach out his hand, grab a hold of you, and pull you up, pull you into his presence, and embrace you as a son, embrace you as a daughter. If that's you and you want to receive that grace today, you want to become a Christian, just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. God bless you. Anyone else? come on it takes courage maybe you've walked away from God and today is the day that you say God today I want to return to you I'm tired of running I'm tired of staying stuck in a whirlpool mine if that's you just slip your hand up right now God bless you God bless you now I want to ask you a question how many of you would say yes Pastor Lance I'm surrendered to Jesus but I'm stuck My mind keeps pulling me away from the things of God. And today I wanna break through, I wanna break through. I wanna pull down those strongholds. If that's you, just raise your hand. Come on, be bold. I'm raising my hand with you. Because the closer you get to God, just like Peter, the more the waves are gonna come against you and you got to set your mind, eyes like a flint that you're going to stay focused on the presence of God. So right now, Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, sweep over this place. Sweep over your people. God, fill them with your very presence. God, as they cry out to you, come on, in your heart right now, just say, come, Lord Jesus. Save me. God, I need you. Come on, say it. Cry it out. Come on, I want you to stand to your feet right now. This isn't something we do passively. This is something we do purposely. God, I'm coming to you. I'm running after you. I'm walking on water. I will not stop. I'm breaking free today. God, I surrender to you. All I have is you. All I want is you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com slash give. Also, follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Be blessed and have a great week.